Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do. Like me, taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Gary Parrish, welcome back to the CBS Sports Island College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting dodo birds and leaky black. The Island College Basketball Podcast is presented by Jersey Mike's. Jersey Mike's a sub above. David Cobb is here with me. He's at home in Tennessee. I'm in a hotel room in New York City. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button like you're Brandon Davies. You have consent. If you haven't yet, subscribe to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel. Please go ahead and do that while you're here. All right, let's get into it. The 68-team bracket for the 2023 NCAA tournament, it was released Sunday night exclusively on CBS, America's most-watched networks, the Network of Stars. As always, there are four regions, and as always, we are dedicating separate episodes of the Island College Basketball Podcast to all four regions, so keep an eye out for those. This episode is on the South Regional, where Alabama is the number one seed. Arizona's the two seed. Baylor's the three seed. Tennessee is the four. David Cobb, let's start with the, the Crimson Tide. I've talked to Matt Norlander about this a lot. Don't think I've talked to you about it, but you were in Nashville um, at the SEC tournament. You got to see Alabama up close and the reaction to Alabama up close. What do you make of Brandon Miller, the star player, projected top five pick, one of the best players in America, never missing a second of a game, even though – and this is just a fact. He delivered a gun to a teammate near around 2 a.m. earlier this season. And a teammate's friend then used that gun to shoot and kill a 23-year-old mother of a five-year-old boy. How big of a story should this be? How big of a story will this be? Are we spending too much attention on it or not enough? Well, it's a wild story, obviously. And it's so at odds with the version of Alabama that Nate Oates and that team are now projecting to the rest of the world and that they even projected to the rest of the world before all this became public. And what I mean by that is all these examples that they're willing to give you of their camaraderie, their culture, uh, their team first mentality, uh, the way that, that players are willing to sacrifice their own individual roles for team success. 
One example, Nate Oates tells a story of Jaden Bradley coming to him before the SEC tournament and saying, Coach, you should start Javon Quinterly in my place uh, in this quarterfinal game against Mississippi State. That's the version of Alabama that Nate Oates wants us to see. There's another uh, example of that, Noah Gurley, a senior with a reduced role on this year's team who accepts some DNPs late in the season. Uh, doesn't pout, doesn't put his head down, continues to be the consummate teammate, and then has his number called and comes in and plays a huge role for them in the postseason. And that that is so at odds with a team that you would think would have some serious uh, internal issues given how serious of an issue uh, they're dealing with off the court when you have a now former player indicted during that quarterfinal game uh, in Nashville on Friday on capital murder charges, and you have two uh, current players who haven't been suspended connected to that. You just, it, it's, it's a striking dichotomy to me. The idea that you could have a team that was involved in something so horrible that is by all other accounts, this is great high character, uh, others for selfless basketball team. That's kind of my takeaway on it. It's, it's a confounding situation, but there's no doubt that Alabama found its gear at the sec tournament. They were struggling to end the regular season, but man, they, they, rifled through three NCAA tournament teams, beating all of them by double digits in Nashville. And uh, it's, it's a bizarre story. And there are, the, the versions of Alabama are very conflicted because you've got that, that unselfish team first uh, mantra that they're projecting to the world juxtaposed with uh, one of the nastiest off-the-court scandals we've seen in the sport in quite a while. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law yeah, like, you know, in college basketball, you get 13 scholarship players and three of Alabama's were at the scene of a shooting and killing of a 23-year-old mother earlier this season. You'll never get around that fact. Every time I talk about this or write about this, um, some Alabama fan somewhere misinterprets it. Like, I, I wrote about it this morning because I did move Alabama to number one um, after the Crimson Tide beat Texas A&M in the SEC tournament title game in Houston, lost to Memphis, I moved Alabama to number one in the final version of the CBS Sports Top 25 and one, and I used the top of that to write about how this is going to be awkward for Alabama going forward because as much as they want to spend press conferences talking about how great their character and chemistry is, everybody else is going to want to spend these press conferences asking asking about um, yeah. you know that 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 horrific tragedy in in january and so i wrote about it and one of the first responses was uh well i guess gary Parrish thinks he knows more than the tuscaloosa dist uh, district attorney um because brandon miller still hasn't been charged with a crime 
I have never once said Brandon Miller should be charged with a crime. Never once said he should be in jail. Um, I do wonder if Brandon Miller were not a basketball player, but just a young black man who did exactly what he did on that night. I do wonder um, if he would be charged with a crime uh, under different circumstances, but I have never suggested that Brandon Miller should be charged with a crime or should be um, in jail or anything like that. What I have said consistently is that Alabama has multiple times said that there's no reason to discipline Brandon Miller because he didn't break any rule or guideline or policy. And I just can't balance that with what we know Brandon Miller did because what we know he did is drive around with a loaded gun in his car. What we know he did is take that gun to the scene of an of 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 where an altercation was going down between one of his teammates and another person. We know that because the teammate texted Brandon Miller and more or less said, I'm in an altercation with somebody. I need you to bring me my gun. And then Brandon Miller showed up with that gun. And then that gun was used to kill a 23 year old mother. If, if, if something in what I just said, doesn't violate a team rule, like, shouldn't you have team? I, I would assume I've talked to coaches about this. Isn't it a team rule? It shouldn't it be. Hey, if you're out at two in the morning or near two in the morning, uh, driving around with a loaded gun in your car, that is a violation of our team rule. We're just going to have a team rule. We're not going to be driving around with loaded guns in our car. Even if it is legally allowed in the state of Alabama, we are not going to do that. I think that probably should be a team rule everywhere. And we know that that's what Brandon Miller was doing that he was driving around nearly 2 a.m., loaded gun in his car, and when his teammate texted and said, bring me the gun, we got to handle something, he took the gun to the guy, and then that gun was pop, 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 used to spray a vehicle and kill a young woman. I don't know what the proper punishment should be for that. I have never definitively said it should have been this, that, or whatever. What I do know is that it is incomprehensible to me that at some point Alabama wouldn't say at the very least, hold up, you were there. Hold up. You took the gun there. We need to pause your participation until we have a clearer picture of exactly what went down and exactly what role you played in it. And if that would have lasted two weeks and four games or three weeks and six games or four weeks and eight games, I don't know what's appropriate and what isn't. I could make the case that if you are connected this closely to a murder, you shouldn't be representing a men's college basketball team regardless. But I've never made that case. I just know that him never missing a second that he otherwise would have played, despite everything we know about his role in this tragedy, just feels wrong. Wrong to me and and wrong to, to most people. And that's why this has clearly become the biggest story in college basketball, bigger than Kansas trying to win back-to-back titles, bigger than Houston trying to win a championship in Houston. Brandon Miller and Alabama are the story of college basketball, and it'll continue to be that way until they're done playing college basketball, either because they were eliminated from the NCAA tournament or because they won the whole thing. Yeah, Yeah, Um, a couple more things. 
Uh, I was yeah, just going to say a couple couple more things yeah, that stood ahead. out to me from the SEC tournament before we move on. One, I expect there to be a more hostile reaction in the arena when Brandon Miller caught passes, uh, was announced during the starting lineup. It, when he re-entered the game, uh, there wa- it wasn't. It was Alabama fans were just boisterous in their support of him. And the other 13 SEC fan bases represented there didn't seem to care. That struck me as unusual. I didn't expect mm-hmm. that. The other thing was Alabama boldly brought him out to the main interview podium after the quarterfinal game and continued to do so uh, throughout the tournament. In, in some ways, an effort to get him reps, I think, in front of uh, reporters before the NCAA tournament. So he's got the no comment thing down. They, they've kind of uh, worked that the kinks out of that a little bit. So uh, surprised to see them so openly doing that. Um, also surprised there wasn't more hostility directed uh, towards him. So just a couple of more notes there. Well, that's what I was going to ask you is like, how, how, what was the Alabama reaction to Brandon Miller and what was the other fans reaction to Brandon Miller? I mean, I only, cause I wasn't in the building. I see what I see on Twitter and there's like two students from this school are chanting Brandon killer, right? I guess you're going to run into that. Um, every, you know, you're going to run into that in, in certain set of circumstances. But if I were like, you know, Alabama ain't asking my advice on this stuff, but if I were Alabama, um, at this point, you can't undo what's been done, but I would have already already had him sit down with like Marty Smith from ESPN. Marty's got an incredible, like calming demeanor to him. Like Marty, he's really good and really likable. And I think you could really prep Brandon Miller as long as he's clear in the clear legally. Like you don't want him to jeopardize um, himself legally by granting an interview. But if you felt reasonably sure that he is legally in the clear, I would have had him sit down with Marty Smith for a pretty um, for for a, a pretty lengthy one on one interview and let him say everything on the record that he wants to say. And I, I don't mean this as an indictment of Marty, because I think he's terrific. I'm just saying like, you know, maybe they, 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 the SEC and Alabama and ESPN are all in like significant business deals together. Maybe Marty would allow him to tell his version of the story without really pushing back too hard and, and trying to get a gotcha moment or anything like that. And then after that, Brandon Miller could just point back to that interview every time it comes up in a press conference. Well, I've already addressed that with Marty Smith. I did that last week in Nashville. I just don't feel like it's time to talk about that stuff anymore. You would have something to point back to right now. They don't. And people aren't going to stop asking these questions. He can keep saying respectfully, that's all I'm going to say about that. But he's going to have to keep saying that because the questions aren't going to go away and the stories are only going to get bigger. Like, you know, the Washington Post had one over the weekend. Um, You'll see non-sports media outlets come in and, and focus on Alabama and Brandon Miller. And it won't be because this super freshman is leading uh, the Crimson Tide to perhaps its first national championship. It'll be because of the incident that he was connected to um, back in January. Uh, let's move on. Um, obviously, we don't think Alabama is going to have any trouble in the first round against either Southeast Missouri State or Texas A&M Corpus Christi. So that can't be your favorite first round matchup. But what is your favorite first round matchup in the mid uh, in the the South Regional rather? Uh, yeah, so for the site, I actually was tasked with writing about the South Regional, which makes this 
uh, really convenient. And I went Missouri, Utah State because of the offensive fireworks that could transpire in this game. You got a 7-10 matchup, which is inherently a good a good game usually. And then you've got uh, two of the best three-point shooting teams in the country, both Utah State and Missouri. Both make over nine threes per game. Neither one of them is overwhelmingly invested in playing defense. And it's also the type of game where even if a team falls behind by double digits, uh, they could still quickly uh, erase that in, in a two-minute span uh, with some three-pointers. You know, Stephen Ashworth for Utah State is uh, one of the best three-point shooters in the country, really without question. And then Missouri is just a, a team that, that I really enjoyed uh, at the SEC tournament this week. I think Dennis Gates has done an unbelievable job getting a, a slow-paced, low-scoring team last year under Conzo Martin turned around and playing at a super, super fast pace and scoring a lot of points now just in, in year one of his tenure there. Just an incredible uh, turnaround that I know you wrote about uh, recently in the top 25 and one. So Utah State-Missouri, my favorite matchup uh, in the South Regional. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. I think mine is Charleston, San Diego State's classic 512 matchup. And these are, are, are two teams that have accomplished a lot this season. Charleston is your CAA champs, CAA tournament champs, San Diego State, Mountain West champs, Mountain West tournament champs. Charleston's 31 and three, won their league, won their league tournament, but a 12 seed. And that is because they have zero. They've even been in the top 25 of the AP poll this season, which I was happy for Pat Kelsey, happy for the program. I couldn't have disagreed with it more. They never had a top 25 resume. They had a lot of wins, but like literally zero good ones. See, I always pegged you as the, I always pegged you as the type of guy who would like Cougars. (laughs) Maybe in a different life, maybe in a different life. Zero quadrant one wins, only uh, two quadrant one wins. They have zero wins over NCAA tournament teams, and the computer numbers are all bad. Bad relative to what a top 25 team is supposed to look like. 51st in the net, 73rd at Ken Palm, 72nd at Torvik. Are you a buyer or seller on Charleston advancing in this tournament, or is Charleston going to finish well, you, I guess that you're either a buyer because you believe in them or Charleston's going to finish 31 and four with zero good wins on the season. Gary, I still remember where I was when you and mm-hmm. Matt were doing your uh, Mountain West versus the ACC breakdown on the pod. <laughs> uh, I was driving somewhere in New Jersey and I was just yelling at the radio as you guys were debating this because the Mountain West always falls flat in the NCAA mm-hmm. tournament. And 
I'm, I'm, I think I have every Mountain West team in this bracket getting eliminated in the first round. And uh, yeah, it's just a principle for me at this point. You fade, fade the Mountain West. Uh, and, and that's what I'm doing here. I, it's as much about that as it is me being a believer in College of Charleston. And I know San Diego State likes to play lockdown defense and they'll do their best to slow College of Charleston down. But uh, these Cougars, uh, they've got five players who, who average double figures. And while they haven't been challenged really by a difficult schedule, I don't know that San Diego State qualifies as some tremendous upgrade in the, in the level of athleticism um, and the level of physicality versus what they face night in, night out in the CAA. And now, if you were playing against um, an ACC team or a Big 12 team here, yeah, that, that would frighten me a little bit more just due to the, the, the fact that they haven't seen that caliber of, of athlete on a regular basis. But uh, I'm not intimidated on, on Charleston's behalf uh, by San Diego State, and, and I actually have uh, the Cougars going all the way to the Sweet 16. On, on behalf of the Mountain West, um, I, I hope that the league doesn't go over again in the NCAA tournament because – uh, then then that starts to become your rep that like impacts the way people view you going for one year of can't win an NCAA tournament game despite having what they have last year four or five teams in the tournament one year of that is like hey, it was just a bad year you do it two years in a row and that's where people like me who rank basketball teams every day during the season say well okay that Mountain West team has got a nice record but are they really any good? Because these teams, for two straight years, we watched them go to the NCAA tournament, and they just don't get anything done in that event. Uh, that'll really hammer home the, a perception that already kind of exists with the Mountain West Conference. So I hope, uh, for the Mountain West Conference's sake, I hope that doesn't happen. Um, and I don't think that it will. I think they're going to win games in this tournament. I've got San Diego State actually going uh, to, to the Sweet 16, first beating Charleston and then Virginia in uh, the, the, the round of, of 32. Um, Arizona is the two seed in the South, which means UCLA got geographic preference. Um, UCLA got to stay as the two in the West, and Arizona had to go be the two in the South. Are you okay with that? It's very, you know, and, and like we're splitting hairs here, but – when I woke up on Sunday morning after the Pac-12 tournament was done and took a fresh look at Arizona's body of work and UCLA's body of work and then factored in the fact that UCLA, UCLA lost its second-leading score and rebounder, Jalen Clark, for the season, I thought Arizona deserved to be higher on the seed line than UCLA. I thought Arizona should be the two in the West. UCLA should get shipped out, but the committee saw it differently. Where are you at on that? Yeah, they were probably just afraid of of what Mick Mick Cronin <laughs> would accuse them of. Yes. Uh, if if uh, UCLA were were docked and, and moved behind Arizona in terms of that preference, but no, I mean I look at Arizona and I see the upset proneness. I'm not sure if that's really a, a word, but they look they lost uh, randomly to Utah, uh, to Washington State, to Stanford, to Arizona State. There's just some some ugly losses there that also sort of like give me some pause about picking this team to go too terribly far in this NCAA tournament bracket. Tommy Lloyd's done an unbelievable job, but he's a second-year coach. He's never been further than the Sweet 16, and he lost three NBA draft picks from last year's roster. And they've shown that they're they're susceptible to upsets. So I understand the frustration on the behalf of Arizona fans because it probably feels like that Pac-12 tournament title was kind of meaningless now. You, you win the season series with UCLA uh, with that victory, and it doesn't seem to get you much. Uh, 
but I do think it probably moved him up from a three to a two, uh, if my interpretations of the bracketology are correct. So that's not nothing. And I'm sure they'll travel well. Uh, not that I doubt there's a direct flight from Tucson to Louisville. They'll probably have to stop in Denver or something, but uh, they'll, they'll get there. They'll be fine. So we've talked about the one seed Alabama, the two seed Arizona. The three seed is Baylor, which makes sense from a body of work perspective. But Baylor is just two and four in his past six games over the past month. Baylor is merely a borderline top 30 team, according to BartTorvik.com. You worried about the Bears? A little bit. Uh, you see Santa Barbara almost beat Creighton in a first-round game a couple years back. Uh, that, that's a, a team that won't be intimidated by this, and Baylor's 2-4 and four over its last six. So in terms of the, uh, the Alabama's path through this region, I actually think that the 2 and the 3 and the 4 in this region are not all that in, intimidating, and Baylor falls into that category for me. I mean, I know they've dealt with injuries, but man – uh, they are not the same defensive team they were two years ago when they had Mark Vidal and uh, Davion Mitchell playing defense. I mean, from a defensive standpoint, golly, they, they miss those guys. The offense is great. The backcourt is awesome. But the uh, the defense is, is woof. So what is your Sweet 16 Elite Eight and the winner of the South Regional? How does your bracket unfold? Yeah, so I've actually got you know Alabama, Charleston, NC State, Arizona uh, getting to uh, Louisville, and then – from there, it's uh, Alabama over Arizona, so a little chalky on my end. But after seeing this Alabama team in person at the SEC tournament in Nashville, you know, my question going into that week was, uh, is this the team that needed overtime to beat South Carolina uh, and then lost to Texas A&M in the regular season finale? Or is this the team that uh, rose to number one in the AP poll for the first time in, in 20 years this season? And to me, they answered that question pretty resoundingly, even amid all the off-court uh, hoopla uh, surrounding them. So... Alabama is supremely talented, incredibly long, and I do to a certain extent buy the narrative they want you to hear about their team, which is that on the court, uh, they are an unselfish and uh, type of team that, that, that likes each other. And I mean, you know, I, I don't doubt that they've, they've bonded in some ways through all this stuff. And I think there is a camaraderie there. And, and I do think they have the intangibles obviously to go with, with the talent uh, to make it out of this region. So uh, Alabama, um, you know, you kind of got to hold your nose to do it, right? Uh, but, but I think they, I think they are the team in this region. Yeah, this is where, um, you know, you just have to separate the basketball stuff from the other stuff. Like, I think it's uh, shameful, frankly, the way Alabama has handled this entire situation. Um, I still think Alabama is an awesome basketball team, and I like you have them coming out of this region. I got Alabama, San Diego State in the Sweet Sixteen. I've got Creighton, Arizona in the Sweet 16, Alabama against Creighton in the Elite Eight, and Alabama advancing out of the South to uh, take a very complicated and uncomfortable, awkward story uh, to the Final Four in in Houston. And yes, I have Alabama playing in the national championship game against Houston, if you've seen my bracket. I've got Houston winning it all, but obviously there's nothing far-fetched about Alabama winning this. It'll um, you know, they have proven over and over again as the outright SEC champs and SEC tournament champs that they are legitimate national championship contenders. I agreed with the selection committee. Alabama should have been the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament. And now we'll get to see if they can make it out of the South Regional. I do think their apparent path to getting there is simpler, not simple, but simpler than any other number one seeds. Like I feel safer about Alabama getting to the final four than I do any of the other number one seeds, which um, 
is perhaps sensible and appropriate, given that the Crimson Tide are the number one overall seed in the 2023 NCAA tournament. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Hawk. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys once again for listening to the Island College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple and Spotify. There's more of us than there are of them, and that needs to be reflected in the comments. So make sure you handle that part of your responsibility. If you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, do that while you're here, and we will talk to you again real soon. Till then, take care. I told you imaginary friends are real. This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski.